psychiatric disorder, they are significantly helped through assistance, through counseling, through medication. We're all for that here at the Vineyard. I would encourage you, if you suffer with mental health, to go to your, your GP. Or someone who's torn a, um, a ligament, playing sport, the physio comes, they do work on it over a period of time through the work there and through the, the process there of physio, the person's knee or leg is repaired. We've all, we know that, right? But I'm also, I'm thankful that we're living in a time of significant improvement for medical intervention, are you? Where quality of life is, is better. And I know we complain about the NHS and our doctors closing for a week or whatever, but we really do have a good quality here in this part of the world. So I do thank God for nurses and doctors. I just want to say that from the outset. For physiotherapists and occupational therapists, for dentists. Don't know how thankful I am for dentists, but is there a dentist in the room? So, okay. Uh, medical technicians and scientists. I'm thankful for all those, but I'm also thankful for God's unmistakable God moments. For the unmistakable God moments when we've had an opportunity to watch people being healed wholly apart from the medical intervention. I'm, I'm happy with that. I believe in that. And I'm going for that. Because this is what I believe. I believe we all need God moments at some point in our time. It doesn't matter whether he's a broken body, a broken mind, a broken marriage, or a broken relationship, or a broken street, or a broken business. He can do all that. We don't want to put him into a box here this morning, but we need kingdom moments. People living in Dungana need kingdom moments, unmistakable kingdom moments. People living in Palm Royal Island need kingdom moments in their life. God moments. You need kingdom moments to live on, kingdom moments to change. And there are times in our lives, in the lives of others, unless God shows up, unless God shows up, there's really no hope. And we've been there, haven't we? With a loved one, with a situation, with a financial situation, with news that has just been the, the, the yes that we weren't waiting for, or we've been in a situation where our finances are just backs to the wall. And we need a kingdom moment. We need God to break through. He is a God of breakthrough. And we need him to show up and to change the situation, or else it is absolutely hopeless. And in those moments when God shows up, what we, the church, are called to do is put our hand in his hand to reach out to the situation and bring the kingdom of heaven to that situation. It's the right time and the right place always with God. And so if you need hope this morning, you've come to the right place. If you need to be spurred on in your faith so that you can be that hope giver and um, the hope presence wherever you go, then you've come to the right place this morning. Shall we pray? Father God, I pray that your kingdom would come. Thank you that it is here, that it's near, that it's within us, and it's all around us. Thank you that it's active right here this morning, God. Thank you that right now that the word of God is powerful, that it doesn't return void. The spirit of God, that you just long to be among your people, that you long to have friendship with us and intimacy with us. And that God, that you're looking, you're looking for a people who would come and partner with you here in Tyrone and beyond. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this is a continuation of the series called Receive the Holy Spirit. If you've missed any of that, you can catch up online in all the areas you know to go to. Uh, so many Christ followers, it's a sad thing is that so many Christ followers never settle into who they really are. They, they, they go around um, unsettled, asking what's my purpose, what's my gifting. Uh, and, and all I want to do through this part of the series is help us to relax. To relax and settle into who we are and what we're called to do. So we're anxious all the time. Christians are get, they're frantic, trying to find what's my purpose in life? What's my, what's my God-given purpose? What's my gifts in life? Let's just relax and settle into what God has called us to do. And that task is, is not complicated, by the way. 
It's such a simple and so overlooked task for the church of Jesus Christ. You have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ to earth. Settle into it. That's what we need to settle into. Not the, the frantic, what's my gift in going after words and going after um, superstars and going after this and going after that. You don't need to do that. You, don't, you just need to relax and do what God has already called you to do. The simplicity is not complex. The simplicity of your calling is that you've been called to bring the kingdom of heaven here near and far. You've been called to settle into your God-given, born-again right to bring the spirit of God and the life of Jesus wherever you go. That's your purpose, to bring heaven to earth. So let's just relax into it. Let's know who we are, know what we're called to, and enjoy that. Somewhere through church history, we've lost the fact that Jesus came to do as well as teach. Unfortunately. Listen to Jesus' mission statement. I'm going to read from the message, so you don't have to turn there. It's going to be on the screen, I hope. God's Spirit is on me. He's chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor. He sent me to announce pardon to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the burdened and the battered free to announce this is God's year to act. This is God's year to act. Did you know that the time of Jubilee has actually come? It's here. It's among us. People are being set free. And every time we, we read that and sing those songs, sometimes I skip out the last line because we're waiting for Jubilee to come. Jubilee has come. Settle into it. Walk in it. So this here, what this text tells me, it shouts good news, doesn't it? You know, gospel just means good news. It's good news. It really is. It's good news. It's not spiritual sight to the spiritual blind. Of course it is that, but that's not what this text is saying. This touches the tangible needs of the poor. This is not about the spiritual poor, by the way. This is not we come to poor people, people who are poor spiritually or bankrupt spiritually. No, this is talking about the tangible poor, those who are broken and battered in our world, those who are held captive by their hurts, their hang-ups. This is to emancipate people and to set them free. This news frees people to be fully alive. Good news because it touches every aspect of our lives. Do you believe that? It's not some theory. It's something to relax again and to, to lean into. I love what Jesus said in the Bible. I love the way he said it. I love that people would hang on his every word. It says that they were amazed at his teaching. Have you read that? And when he rolled up that prophet Isaiah's scroll on that day in the synagogue, when he announced his mission statement, it says that the eyes of everyone were fixed upon him. Because this was an aha moment. This was the kingdom come. This was Messiah anointed one for the purpose. Their eyes were fixed on him. They would, some, they would say, come and hear a man. Or they would say, come and see a man who showed me, who told me, who did. He did amazing things as well as saying amazing things. And we forget that. In fact, when you read the preaching of the kingdom of heaven, the preaching of God, it says that Jesus sent them out to preach the kingdom of heaven. And then here's the text. Here's your sermon, disciples. John, here's your, here's your sermon, Here's your sermon, Matthew. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, freely have received, freely give. But what do I say? No, no, here's, the, here's what you do. You go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, freely have received. No, but what should I tell the people? I want, to them, I want them to be amazed at the words and the articulation and, the, and my wisdom. But what do, I, what do I say? What do I bring to them? What do I preach? This is what you preach. You heal the sick, you raise the dead, you cleanse the lepers, freely have received, freely give. 
So he did as well as say. And so we have intensely locked ourselves into the study of God's word, which is great, but to the exclusion of his works. See, we've, can I say something, which maybe just will ruffle a few fellers here today? The, the, the Bible has become an idol sometimes in our culture, which was never meant to be. Some people worship Bible more than they worship the author. And the reason that you have ancient scripture is that you fall in love with the one who is behind the pages, the one who is through the pages. It's the only book every time you open it up that the author comes and shows up. So you don't have to go to a book signing. He comes wherever you go, in the car, in your kitchen table, in your living room. And so I want us to get away from intensely locking ourselves into just the words of Scripture, but we would actually engage in the sound of Scripture, that Scripture would become the reality through our streets and through our doctor's surgeries and through our sports halls and where pubs and clubs or gyms or wherever we tend to go, that the sound of Scripture would be heard to you. Do you ever read the ancient Scripture and say, me too, please God? Let it happen. Me too. Somehow we've forgotten that God is powerful and that his power available to us. You might have just believed or been convinced that Jesus was a good man and Jesus was a very good man from boyhood right through. He grew up in favor with men and others and in stature. So he was a good man, but he just wasn't a good man. You might have fallen for the thinking that he was a wise teacher and Jesus was a very wise teacher. But he just wasn't a wise teacher. The Bible makes it quite clear that people were amazed at Jesus' teaching because of the amazing things that Jesus did. Surely he speaks with authority. Surely he speaks with authority. Things that change people's lives matter. And Jesus was that person. Matthew 4.23, I'm going to read it again from the message. You doing okay? Good. From there, he went all over Galilee. We've read this last week in the NIV. He used synagogues for meeting places and taught people the truth of God. God's kingdom was his theme, always has been, always will be. 148 times alone, sorry, 128 times alone in the New Testament is referenced to the kingdom of heaven. And throughout all the ancient scriptures from start to finish, this is one theme, theme that goes right through ancient scripture. That beginning right now, they were under God's government. A good government. <laughs> How applicable. How applicable. How did you spend your Friday afternoon, eh? Hokey cokey, eh? In, out, in, out. I thought it was funny. <laughs> he also healed people of, of their diseases and their bad effects of their bad lives. Word got around the entire Roman province of Syria. Did you know that there was, a, there was somebody who was gossiped about in Syria? His name was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. People brought anybody with an ailment, whether mental, emotional, or physical. Jesus healed them, one and all. Let me say this, and this is so vital that you get this, because we just read scripture and it's just a story. What's good news then is good news now. What was good news then is good news now. What was good news then is good news now. And so that's what, it's a beautiful thing. That's when I came into the vineyard, one of the things that changed my perspective, my thinking, my living, is that what was good news then is good news right here today. The 31st of March, 2019, that's still the same thing. Still our reality. And so when I talk about God's part of healing this morning, this is part two of last week, I want to be real clear here that we are talking about experiencing God's power to heal. We're not talking about a faith healer. Because I know what Tyrone is like. It's a little crazy. Isn't it? 
in Ireland is a little crazy. Someone, we're not talking about someone who doesn't know God like a seventh son or a seventh son of a seventh son who has a gift. We're not talking about that type of feeling. Nor are we talking, and this really alarms me, especially within church and, and even within the vineyard, I hear ripples of conversations that you once had a great, great uncle who took you up to the back garden of a mountain, took a potato, cut it in two, wrapped it in tinfoil, injected vinegar into it, went out the back garden, went round three times, tied a bit of rope around a twig tree, twig, twig tree, said blah, 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 three times and your warts went away. And then you get nervous when we ask you to put your hand on somebody's shoulder and tell the pain to go away in Jesus' name. <laughs> in all seriousness, which do you think is the weirder? Or do you need it explained? But people, that is like, if we could, let me help you with this. I'm convinced if people who follow Jesus did what Jesus did as followers are meant to do, then people would see these shams for what they really are. Isn't that right? I'll never forget the fets in Cold Island as long as I live. First of all, there was the Bills. <laughs> and then there was Brian Cummings. And this conversation happened, it's not in the notes, but I just remembered, I had a flashback, and it gives me a, tilts my head sometimes, I have a nervous reaction, I probably need counseling at some stage. But as I took my dog in, hoping the dog might get put down because of the fat balls that I was experiencing at the time, <laughs> I hear an audible voice, Jason, Jason, like twice, yes Lord, speak your servant hears. <laughs> this lady started talking about taking her daughter for a charm, do you remember the conversation? And the place was totally packed, so I came out, had to pay the bill, didn't put the dog down, and uh, and Brian says, just before you go, there's a woman here looking healing. She was going to go to a seventh son of a seventh son or somebody who had the charm outside Coal Island. But I, this is what you don't do. But I told her, you had seen healing and you were going to pray for her. So the <laughs> dogs are going mad. Our dog's going mad. Her dog's going mad. And, and all of a sudden, the place is hushed. And the woman behind the reception, she's like, well, can you? It's like, know let's see it's not my gig it's God's gig and we pray for a little girl who had some sort of I don't remember even the time but I do remember you doing that but he has got better he does it himself now <laughs> again I'm convinced that if people who follow Jesus did what he did as followers are meant to do then people would see these things for the shams that they really are can I just say something in all seriousness I know there's a lot of humor and sometimes my conversations but if you have been engaged with 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 weirdness like that do you know what i would do if i was you i mean i'm just throwing it out to you there's no prescription for this when we invite the prayer team come up this morning come and get prayer for that and get it broken off your life in the name of jesus christ of nazareth so healing if healing was such a large part of jesus ministry like we talked about last week why don't we see or expect this within the ministry of the church today? Because we don't see it to the same extent, some of us would say. And for every person that we see healed, we could name 28 people that didn't get healed, right? And so there's always this pushback of the kingdom of heaven. One of the things that I want you to remember is that we believe here, Vineyard Church Dungana, that Jesus Christ heals the sick, emotionally, mental, physical healing. But not always. 
We are in a battle. The kingdom has come, but it's not consummated until Jesus returns. So we live in the presence of his future. We taste the future. We call it into the present. Our job is not to work out what the future is like. We, don't, we can't do that. We don't know that. We don't know all the reasons why people are healed and not healed. But what we're called to do is lay hands on the sick and in faith command it to leave. That's our only job. But we know that in the interim time that people die, that people are healed, that there is power and there also is pain. That's the reason. Then last week we got talking about two things. One was secularism, two was cultural Christianity. Can I just do a heads up in the cultural Christianity thing because we had a good conversation in our community group. What I wasn't saying last week was I wasn't bashing the model of churches. Everybody is entitled to do church however they see fit. That can be a new thing or an old-fashioned thing or a traditional thing or um, literature or whatever way people do church. I love the church of Jesus Christ in all its forms, in all the way, in all its expression. What I was going after last week was the cultural thinking of Western Christianity, of cultural Christianity. It's the mindset, not the model. Do you get that? It's the mindset that we're going after. This mindset of consumerism, of me, spend more, get more, want more, own more Christianity. That's not the kingdom of heaven. So it's not, this, it's not the model, but the mindset that we go after. And then you had that long conversation over dinner tables last week after Sunday, didn't you? were saying, what was point three? Because I said there was three points. You were saying that, weren't you? You were hungry, weren't you? For, for food, and you were like thinking, I cannot get through this week without point three. I wonder what it was, right? And Grace came the whole way over Edinburgh to see her point three, didn't you? Okay, well, you won't be disappointed because number three, let me give it to you the lack of real discipleship within the church is one of the reasons why we don't see or expect healing today. We aren't expecting. We're disciples that aren't expecting. We're not expecting disciples of the way of Jesus. We're expecting people to be spectators of the show. This what's happened in Western Christianity. We've become spectators of the show. Cheerleaders, you see it throughout Christendom. It's a very sad thing where the pastors become the main thing and the people on the stands, it's a bit like a, a rugby. I'm not going to use rugby because I'll just make a mess of it and I don't want to put any more pain on people after yesterday. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Uh, but, you know, like it's like pastor, catch the ball, pastor, Kick the ball, pastor, save it, head it. Ah, oh, stupid pastor, you dropped the ball. Come on, pastor, try harder. And that's what church has become like in the West. Come on, pastor, you can do much better. Oh, pastor's disaster. We're at the bottom of the table. Let's get a new pastor. That's not the story of the kingdom of God. We're not to be spectators. I can remember growing up hearing so much about healing, but nobody actually taught me one-to-one how to heal the sick how to pray for the sick. I just watched people do it. No one taught me what it means to be a disciple who makes disciples until I came into the vineyard, believe it or not. I thought a disciple was somebody who had a quiet time, who read their every day with Jesus with a glass of cocoa every night. But I've since discovered that there's something more powerful about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And by the way, that's a good practice. If you have that rhythm of having cocoa, keep doing that thing with your every day of Jesus. All right? I'm not disparaging that in any way, but there's a little bit more to it than that. There's actually doing the works of Jesus, doing the words of Jesus, and also going to people that don't know Jesus and seeing them come to Jesus and then getting them to do the things that Jesus did. Do you know what, that's what real discipleship is? Do you know what discipleship is really going after lost people too? I mean, I mean, it's not rocket science. In Matthew 25, in the Great Commission, do you think there was loads of Christians out there that needed some Bible study in quiet time? There weren't. When Jesus says, go and make disciples, where were they going? Where were they going? Stay with me. 
Where were they going? They were going after people who had not yet found Jesus, who was the way. So that's what real discipleship's all about, and that's for free. It's not part of my notes. So, and here's the thing. If, if no one said this is possible, why would you believe it? Why would you expect it? You know, this is why Vineyard Kids, that is happening in the other room, I don't know, there's a healing banner down there, and we have them doing, doing stuff. This is why we have them praying for the sick. Because they're just disciples. This is not, we don't want kids growing up spectators. We don't want kids growing up in our environments, learning and being in the small church and, and sometimes hearing what the adults are talking about in a way that suits them. No. Not to make it all nicey, nicey, and so that you can have a conversation around the table with your kids. That's good. It's important. But we want the kids actually engaging in the ministry of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and doing the stuff and becoming disciples of Jesus Christ right now. And that's why some of you have have seen that and it challenges you as parents doesn't it challenge you as parents when your kids come back and they're telling you about praying for somebody i know it challenges you i've walked down balamone street in the pouring rain with a christmas tree and a buggy and watched a man go past us backwards on a wheelchair and caleb shouting stop stop so that i would go and pray with him that's challenging People shouldn't tell children these things. <laughs> we should make them learn memory verses and, and give them 2P if they get it right and say, well done, be good at school this week. Say yes and please and thank you and we'll see you again next week. That would be a heck of a lot easier, wouldn't it, for parents? But parents, let me say something to you and adults. Let's not hide behind the kids. And listen, if you're a Christ follower and you're a parent, it's not the job of vineyard kids, teachers, to disciple your kids. It's actually your job as a parent to disciple your kids. Do you know that? It means you model it, you teach it, you pray it, you pray with them, you show it's how it's done. You pray for the sick. And we all do that one too, don't we? Like, I'm on something here. I do it. You've been asked to pray for something and your kids are with you, especially when they're away, and you were so scared to say, this is really cute. My son knows how to pray. And you get your kids to do it. How many of us have done that? Oh, just me. Yourself, yeah. The rest of you need to repent. I feel bad about myself. We see according to our expectation, that's all I'm trying to say. We see according to our expectation. Many times our expectations come from conditioning. We're taught to expect certain things in the Christian life, and we miss what God is doing if he acts outside of our expectations. John Wimber said that. It was kind of incorrect. Let me try and say it again. We see according to our expectations. Many times our expectations come from conditioning. We're taught to expect certain things in the Christian life, and And we miss what God is doing if he acts outside of our expectations. Do you ever think that sometimes God just acts out of the way that you were thinking how he was going to act? Do you ever get embarrassed when he just shows up in like a place where you didn't expect him to show up in your holidays or in a supermarket and just shows up and you think, no, it's not God. He wouldn't come to the supermarket. He doesn't like Tesco's. Does that ever bother you? Or is it just me? Like you've, you've done your Bible reading for the day, you've prayed to him and then... He thinks that he should actually get out of a box and do something in your community. Does that ever annoy you? Cultural Christianity, again, it's our expectations. 
Do we carry Jesus' expectations of reality or do we carry the culture of Christianity expectation of reality? Matthew 28, 19. Let's hurry fast. Hurry, hurry, hurry. It's a song. Okay. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave this charge. This is a commission. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life. I love that expression, this way of life. Making them by baptism in threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up until the end of the age. Beautifully written again by Eugene Peterson. You've got to be convinced that God is a God who heals and that healing is available today. Let me say it this way. There are implications of this commission. This, this commission that Jesus gave us, and it's painful sometimes that when people read this text of Scripture in Matthew 28, that the only thing that they get out of this text of Scripture is that we go and stand on a street corner and tell people that they're going to hell in a handbag. And they're some way delighted about that. From the day Jesus gave the Great Commission, Christianity should look like Jesus on earth. That's different. Do you hear me? That's, that's the implications of the commission. The, implem, the implementation, impl, implications, it's not easy to say, it's a big word. The implications of commission is that from the day Jesus gave the Great Commission, that the earth should look like Jesus is still on it. That he's still here. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to do and to say what he did, and then we pass it on and pass it on and pass it on. And sadly today, discipleship is it's, it's trapped in a, a private belief. It's a private belief. It's like packaged up. It's, it's consumer-driven. It's, it's tidy. It's, it's packaged in such a way that we can sell to people. And I keep saying that people are tired of getting sales pitched in a sales pitch world. They're tired of it. They're exhausted being pimped to. Teenagers are exhausted being pimped to. The good news is Jesus is still the same and the kingdom is near and let's reach for it. Let's reach for it. Let's, let's read this. Let's, let me give you some practical things we're coming to land. Are everybody tired this morning? Are we okay? Or am I just boring you? That could be a reality. Acts 3, okay? Thumbs up is cool, right? All the kids are doing it. Say it all the time. Let me recap the whole of Acts 3 because we don't have time to read it. Jesus is raised from the dead. That's a pretty big gig, right? In fact, if you get past that part, is there anything too difficult in Scripture? Have you ever think about how the, the nonsense that we actually go on about? I don't know if I believe in healing. You follow a dead man who, was raised, who actually was dead and then was raised to, de- raised to life and you have a problem with healing? I just thought about that there now. Never thought about it before. Okay. And then he tells his followers to wait for the Holy Spirit. He says, go find a room. They receive it. Peter stands up. He preaches. 3,000 people or so become followers of the way. And the church is born. And it's expanding. And it's moving. So let's read. Acts 3. 1 to 10. Here we go. You with me? You with me? Sounds like a house of parliament. Yes. Eyes to the right. 
One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon, in case you're confused. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put there every day to beg from those who were going to the temple courts. When, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, and he, as did John. And then Peter said to him, look at us. So the man gave them their attention, expecting to get something from them. He certainly did. Then Peter said to them, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Again, when you pray in the name of Jesus Christ, you're praying into his character, of his goodness, his kindness, and who he is. It's not a magic word to get what you want. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then it says he, he then went with them, which is very important to, to note, into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Observations about Peter and healing ministry. You ready? Yeah. Peter and John are on the way to the temple to pray. They're not going to heal somebody. Observation. We, we get weird about it. We get intense about it. Relax, settle into what God has called you to do. They're not on a mission to go and heal somebody that day. They're on the way to be with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They're on a way on their way for their daily practice, for their rhythm in life. And the rhythm of life is that they pray. Three o'clock, in fact, three times a day. Nine, three, and six, I think. Office, the daily office. That's what they're going to do. So they're not, they didn't wake up that morning and say, you know what? Here's the gig today, John. We're going to go to the temple. There's going to be a man. You know that guy that's there every day. Instead of giving him money today, let's heal him. No, they're on their way. And so many of the stories of God moving in power are stories of someone who's interrupted on their way. On the way where they go and, and something else happens. When you're on the way to work or school, when you're on the way to the doctor's surgery, when you're on the way to the shops, when you're on your way to whatever, walking the dog, when you're on your way to, to, to church, when you're on the way to get a newspaper, when you're on the way to walk in the park, when you're on the way to, to do whatever, when you're on the way, that is your context. That's your context. not the content of the healing so often we want the models don't we we want it all lined up we want it all airtight and, and clever and tidy but it doesn't work that way the context is just go and do life and wherever you go bring the king and the kingdom with you and that's the context the context of the miracle the context of the healing is as you go allow God to interrupt you not the content the context is that when you go, wherever you go, that you bring Jesus Christ of Nazareth with you. And you engage with him. And you open your ears and your eyes. And you relax into the purpose and the commission that was good news then is good news now. And whenever you see the Spirit doing, you go and do it. That takes the pressure off. It's not the content. It's the context we find ourselves in. No, that's not for me. I don't have faith. You may not have faith, but you have been commissioned. There's no get-out clause. You have been commissioned. You have a commission. The second thing I noticed is that Peter and John anticipated healing. He reached down to grab him. He looks at him and says to him, when he reaches down and helps him up, he, he looks intently. Now, they're expecting something to happen. They're anticipating that something might happen. Now, I tried this thing in India at a marketplace where there were thousands and thousands of people. It didn't just work like it did in the Bible for me. There's this guy came on on, on four wheels on a, on a tray thing so I was kind of bold in those days and uh, I thought 
there was like loads of, the crack was he couldn't speak my language, I couldn't speak his language, so I thought there's nothing to lose here. So I thought, I'll do a wee sneaky healing. Do you ever do a wee sneaky healing? <laughs> Have you? Have you ever done a sneaky healing? Here's a sneaky healing where you're not really up for it, but you sort of, you see somebody in front of you and you sort of close your eyes and do this here. <laughs> Secret Healing Ministries by Jason Scott. The book comes out in November and then you can pre-order it in 1999 on amazon.co.uk. Secret Healing Message. Do it, Jesus. It's good crack when it does happen, and it does happen sometimes. So I thought, nobody knows the language, nobody knows I'm here, so I'm just going to do a sneaky healing. Only the thing is that there was about 10,000 people there that day. Plus, I kid you not. And all of a sudden, my sneaky little secret healing then started to become a throng of crowds gathered around me, this guy on a cart, and everybody watching. So I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I think I did the sovereign gold, I have none. But such as I give you, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he didn't get up. And I said, get up and walk. And he wouldn't get up and walk. So I'm trying to get this guy off of this cart. And he's not coming off the cart. So he's begging for money. And I'm saying, come on, come on. And then somebody turned around to me, quite conservative guy, says to me, this guy gets healed, there's going to be a riot. Well, the end of the story is I went into the car through the window. And we got away. Just thought I would share that with you. Anticipate healing is what I'm talking about. Anticipate that it can happen and it will happen. And it does happen. He looks and he says and he reaches down and he helps him up. Healing ministry is the entire person. This is what I find in this text. It's physical, it's emotional, it's mental, it's relational, and it's spiritual wholeness. You've got to get the culture and the gist of that time. This is what Jesus comes to do through the Holy Spirit. Ankles become strong. What's that? Physical or Emotional. It's not a trick question. Ankles become strong would be? Physical. Heart cried, heart cried. It's a clock going forward, isn't it? As you're all wrecked and emotional. Right? He went into the temple. Relational healing. He couldn't go into the temple. Relational healing. So good. He's paralyzed. He's, he's, he's restricted from certain parts of the temple. Such a hard gig in those days. Sometimes religion feels easier, but phew, sucks. It's relational healing. He's walking and he's jumping and he's praising God. What do you think that might be? Yes, emotional healing. You know, people say to me, you know, like, you know, Christianity is not about your emotions. And having a conversation with those people, I come to very quickly conclude that, yeah, you're right. But it does talk about joy in this book. Is that a feeling or is that some logical thinking? What is it? It's a feeling. Experience. And God has come so that we can experience Emotional, healthy spirituality. Right, this is, we'll we're, we're wrap it up. N.T. Wright says this. This is long, you'll never remember it, but let's just go for it anyway, because I think it's brilliant. Justice and peace are about putting things right in the world. But from whatever angle you look at Jesus, he was concerned not just with outward structures, but with realities that would involve the entire person, the entire community. No point putting the world right if the people are still broken. 
So broken people will be healed, paralytics, epileptics, demoniacs, people with horrible skin diseases, a servant on the point of death, an old woman with a high fever, a blind man or blind men, deaf and mute people, a little girl who's technically already dead. Have you read these stories? And an old woman with a persistent hemorrhage. And so on and so on. And Matthew lets this list build up until we almost take it for granted. Yes, here's a person who's sick. Jesus will cure her. How good is that? That's the reading the scriptures is there to engage with Jesus in the kingdom. It's not there for Bible study. It's not there so we're intellectually fed and more prepared and we have somehow we've got a more rigid faith. No, it's so that when we read the scriptures, we meet the person in the scriptures and we just don't meet him in the scriptures, but we take him with him, take him with us. We take him out of the pages into the pavements and we walk in the streets in the corners of our society, bringing the good news of the kingdom of Jesus. What was good news then is good news now. And then we begin to heal the sickness, heal the emotional effects and heal the, the brokenness of our country and our community. We bring the kingdom of heaven here near and far and Jesus still heals her today. Doesn't he? If Peter can do it, you can do it. We often see these stories like these are, these are in scripture and we miss that, we miss the humanity of them. Do you ever read scripture with humanity or do you just read it with intellect again? Do you read it and it just becomes text and word and note and dot and, and hermeneutical and, and all that stuff? But we miss that it. it's actually got flesh and bones and everything is human in the God story. As in he wants to engage with humanity. It's naturally supernatural. He wants to engage with the humanness of us, of people, the world. He so loved the world that he gave us one and only son. That is human, right? That's humanity at the core. Let me just remind you who Peter was. Throughout the Gospels, especially the Gospel of Mark, Peter is not seen as a hero of the faith, but more of a companion for the journey ahead. He is in every way the imperfect disciple. He is in every way. In Matthew 16, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He confirms, he affirms Jesus. Blessed are you, Son, Simon. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. He predicts Jesus' death on the cross. Peter takes Jesus uh, aside and then he rebukes him and says, no, this should never happen, right? Are you with me? So like he's, you're the anointed one. He, he's there, he's predicting. He's like, it seems like he's got, and then Jesus turns around and says, like, would you love it, wouldn't you, if he said it to you? Get behind me, Satan. It's like, wow, it's not very nice, is it? You need to be a wee bit more PR, Jesus. Sort your language out. It's not going to help us build a mega church. Going around telling that to people. Right? It's not helpful. Here's what I want to say. And uh, did I say I was finishing? You can, be you can be an apprentice of Jesus who gets it sometimes and misses it other times. That's just what Peter was. You know, sometimes we just were. We're, we're brilliant when it comes to reading scripture. We can be so critical. Can't we? Oh, I'd never do that. If I'd have been there in those days, it's all the things that he saw. You'd never do it, would you? Huh? You'd be there to the end. Many times is God showing up in our lives, done the wonderful miracle, healing of our situation, and then all of a sudden we're just back to missing it again, like the next day. Yeah? Would you put a hand up if that's you? Okay, I feel a bit better now. 
I think we've run out of time. Would you stand?